Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. This is your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I am just so delighted that you are joining me here in my kitchen via webtalkradio.net. Welcome, and welcome especially to those new listeners. Each week, we have different cookbook authors, chefs, and people tied in with the culinary world, and it's a way to have a culinary quest. So I'm so glad you're joining me on this journey and get your notebooks out here for our first guest, who is Crescent Dragon Wagon. And she is such an accomplished person. It it would take pages for me to go through her accomplishments. But we will be discussing her 50th book, which is Bean by Bean, a cookbook with 175 recipes about beans. And you are going to be amazed how much we can learn from the bean, and Crescent will be helping us. So thank you so much for being on Kitchen Chat, Crescent, and welcome. It is my pleasure, Margaret, and hello to all the all the people who are listening to you from their kitchens or offices or cars or wherever they are in their life. Oh, well, this is just so delightful to have you on the air. And my goodness, you are a James Beard award-winning cookbook author. And what an accomplishment. Congratulations on that. (laughs) I was so sure that I wasn't going to win that award that when I came to the award ceremony and had my plan of, you know, unpack, workout, nap, bathe, dress, get up, that when I unpacked, I discovered I had forgotten my skirt. So I had to go and buy a skirt. So nobody could have been more surprised than me that that I won that award. But I was, of course, thrilled to win it. That was for my book. Passionate Vegetarian, which came before Bean by Bean. Yes, and I look forward to reading that, too, and, and purchasing it because my both of my daughters are vegetarian. So I am literally gobbling up your books, Crescent, <laughs> and I can't wait for the, the listeners to learn about beans. Now, one passage just, oh, just touched my heart when I read it in your acknowledgement page, and that is this. May all of us like beans continue to nourish each other as we are nourishing the world around us in every phase, bit by bit, bite by bite, bean by bean. There are a lot of life lessons, it seems like, from this little bean. (laughs) Well, you know, I believe that um, when you write about food, whether it's an ingredient or a dish, If you look closely enough, you really do write about life as a whole, and you can see it in something as tiny as a bean. And, you know, you look at that little dry bean in your your palm, whether it's a pinto bean or a black bean, and it just doesn't seem very promising, and yet if you planted it in the soil, it would become a bean plant. If you rinsed it and soaked it and rinsed it off every day, it would become a bean sprout. If you soaked it 
in boiling water and then drained it and then cooked it, it would become a cooked bean, which then would be the canvas on which you would paint with your sautéed onions and carrots and garlic and celery and yeah. oh, cumin seeds, chili, whatever things, whatever which way you wanted to go with it. And so it's this little package of potentiality mm. and that quote that you like about, you know, nourishing ourselves and each other's one of the things that that I just love about beans is they are beans meaning every every plant in the legume family. So mm-hmm. beans includes peas, it includes peanuts, it includes all those relatives. Um, they are the only category of plants which actually enrich the soil as they grow. They don't deplete mm. it. They actually add, they're self-fertilizing. They add nutrogen to the soil. So in saying that, yeah, you know, I hope that as we grow, we nourish our surroundings as well. So I do yeah. see them both metaphorically and very, very literally. In fact, I have black bean soup on the stove tonight. Oh, my Elsie's Cuban black bean soup from the book. I have company coming over and we are going to eat that and tackle cleaning out my mother's attic. Oh, <laughs> Close <my> friends company. <laughs> oh, this, this is just so much fun. I can't wait to talk about some of these 175 recipes in your new book, Bean by Bean. And I also wanted to let the listeners know that you share such wonderful culinary insight and life insight in two of your blogs. Uh, one is Deep Feast. Dot com deep feast f-e-a-s-t dot com and also grateful well um nothing is wasted on the writer and you can uh google that listeners to find a link to that but it was so interesting in your um one of your latest posts on deepfeast.com was grateful for garlic so that's going to be a fun <laughs> fun thing to, to read about because it seems like a nice pairing with with beans and garlic but before we you jump bet. into the spices <laughs> and the wonderful accoutrements of of cooking a bean i i just wanted to kind of get some bean basics i love the way your book just walks the reader through different bean basics including you know that often funny thing to talk about and and that right. is the, uh, unless you you were so cute and phrasing it as that explosive and musical quality <laughs> of the bean <laughs> well you know um on the on the practical side um this very simple simple way to say it um, is that if you soak beans in a great deal of water and then you pour off the straining water, the more water you use to soak the beans, the less flatulating they will be. And mm. that is because beans, you know, they've got a ton of good things for you in them. They've got fiber, they've got vitamins, <laughs> they've got protein. They're unbelievably proteinaceous. They're the most protein-packed uh, food stuff in the vegetable world, but yeah. they also have these pesky little components called oligosaccharides, which are a kind of sugar that human beings can't digest. So what happens when we eat a bean is they ferment in our stomach and that causes gas. And the oligosaccharides are water-soluble, so soaking helps. Mm. Also, um, some 
some beans, like the smaller beans, like lentils and split peas, the more quick-cooking beans, black-eyed peas, they, they have fewer oligosaccharides than the slower-cooking, larger beans. Hmm. Um, but another thing is how often you eat them. If you eat a little bean a lot, um, or a lot of beans a lot, as I do, you're not going to have much problem. But if you don't eat beans very much at all, and then you go to a barbecue or something, and the baked beans are just beyond good, and you have three portions of it, yeah, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> now, do all beans cause this effect, such as edamame? Do you see the soybeans? No, with, with, green, well? with fresh green beans, definitely not. Fresh okay. edamame, no. Okay. Um, bean sprouts, no. It's only the mature dry bean that has the oligosaccharides. Okay, and that includes anything that's canned as well? Or does it have to uh, yes. be fresh? Um, well, okay, a fresh, <laughs> a fresh <laughs> bean would be like a green bean. Okay. You know, the whole terminology at first, it's very easy to get confused. Yes. Because a green bean is a fresh bean. Okay. But as you know, if you go to farmer's markets, a green bean can not only be green, it could be yellow. Right. Or right. it could be speckled. Right. <laughs> or it could, there are these wonderful green beans that are purple. Wow. And you boil them and then they turn green. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's a very psychedelic thing, really. And um, I have a little adopted niece who loves to cook with me. And one of the fun things to do, we pull up her stool so she can stand on it. And I have a particular, it's a white enamel pot, so you can see the colors really clearly. Uh And we bring a pot of water to the boil, and we take a handful of these purple beans, and we drop them in the water, and we stand there and watch as they turn from purple to green. Very exciting. That is. (laughs) And then the further legu magic is you take out the cooked formerly purple, now green beans, and then there's the cooking water, and the cooking Uh water has a little tinge of green to it, as Ah. happens when you, but then, I said, you know, okay, Zoe, stand here and watch, and honest to God, that green bean cooking water, if it's the purple beans, then turns turquoise. (laughs) Oh, that is Honestly, it does. And it's, you know, and that's, you know, when you get close to something, whether it's a bean or, you know, a human being, the closer right. you get, the more you discover and the more interesting it is. I don't know how anybody can be bored in life. It's so interesting. Exactly. But. And I never realized until you wrote this book and I've been gobbling up the pages just how <laughs> prolific a bean is and, and just the wonderful merits and discoveries about beans. So I'm just so thrilled that that uh, you are joining us on this culinary quest with with beans. <laughs> now, but back to that purple bean. Is there a name for that bean, and is that featured in the book too? Well, any any green bean recipe that you make. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing let's touch on is yes. the interchangeability of beans. Oh, okay. Any fresh bean, fresh green bean, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter if it's green or yellow or purple. Oh, okay. You know, you would basically cook them the same range of ways. They'll have a little difference in flavor and texture. There are a million varieties of fresh beans and dried beans. I think one of the purple varieties is called Purple Queen. Hmm. Um, you can go to a seed catalog. I may even have a list of all the varieties in here. 
Um, I know I've got it of all the dried ones, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, they're, they're, that's just a variety like you would get in a seed packet. And I would add that at this moment, I just looked up purple in the index, and it's not under that, but I think it's there somewhere. But even if you just uh, Google seeds, purple beans, you'll find some of the variety names for those of your listeners who are gardeners, and the more gardeners, the merrier. Um, And, of course, they'll also find them at farmer's markets. Mm -hmm. um, But you you cook all green beans, you know, all fresh green beans interchangeably. Similarly, although there are thousands, literally thousands of kind of dried beans, um, they too are somewhat interchangeable. They do have distinctive textures and flavors, but they are more alike than different. So this lovely black bean soup that I have simmering on the stove, I can make the same soup with black-eyed peas, and it would taste different, but it would taste good, and it would work the same. So don't get overwhelmed by bean varieties. Don't get okay. overwhelmed by, oh, my goodness, there's, you know, there's mortgage lifter beans, and there's <laughs> yellow-eyed soldier beans, and there's mother salad's beans. And, yeah. you know, you could, you could take one good bean soup recipe and do it every day for a year with a different bean. And you would eat well, and it would be different but mm-hmm. similar. Exactly. And I never realized there were so many varieties of beans. And I, I did not realize that cranberry is essentially, is that essentially a bean? Is that the same? Uh, not, a, not, not a cranberry fruit. Okay. But there's a type of bean that's called a cranberry bean. Okay. That's its name. Hmm. And um, it's... It's uh, also in Ita- it's a very popular bean in Italy, and in Italian they refer to it as a bor- borlotti bean, mm-hmm. and it's like a red mottled bean, but it's no biological relationship to the cranberries okay, that go in bogs, grow in bogs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm just, like... <laughs> but it has that name. I mean, they have they have wild names for those beans. Yes, um, there's a bean. And I grew this in my garden this year, a bean called rattlesnake bean. No oh. relation to rattlesnake. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, they're, the, the pods are sort of, they're kind of a, a dark green. Uh, no, those ones are kind of yellow, mottled with a reddish kind of marbling. Hmm. And I suppose somebody decided they look like a rattlesnake yeah. or either that or as they curl around the bean pole with their oh. little tendrils, I suppose you could say. But then every bean does that. But if somebody named it rattlesnake bean, and in the days when I had a restaurant, we always would make a soup the day after Thanksgiving that was a turkey, wild rice, and rattlesnake bean soup. <laughs> and, you know, it could have been black-eyed peas or right. kidney beans or some other beans, but not only were the rattlesnake beans particularly good in that mm-hmm. soup, just the name of it yeah. really intrigued our guests. Exactly. And they were always very interested to taste it. And that, that was a good soup, and that soup is in there, too. 
That's great. That's a, a, a fun name for that indeed, and a dish that your guests will always remember. I actually grew up, <laughs> I actually grew up in the South, and it was a real tradition um, for black-eyed peas to be served for New Year's, like as a good luck type of thing. Absolutely. So I don't know if there are other traditions associated with beans for celebration. Well, Dad, let, 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 me, let me also tell you about the lucky beans, the black-eyed ah. peas, that's actually an ancient, ancient, ancient thing huh. and goes back to the early Greeks and Romans. And each spot on the bean was supposed to indicate a coin. Hmm. So if you ate a lot of black-eyed peas on the New Year's Day or a speckled bean, um, of course, then they had different varieties of beans there. They're, they In those days, um, America you know, was not was not uh, uh, occupied by Europeans yet, right. and so there was no trade. So the most of the beans they had in Greek and Roman times came from the Middle East, but there were spotted beans, and so you ate a lot of them or you ate a lot of lentils on the first day of the year because each represented a coin. Ah. So you would, be, you would get wealth in the coming year. And so that has trickled into that same tradition into the southeast. I grew up in Alabama, and we always have oh, black okay. <laughs> <laughs> I eat my Hoppin' John every every New Year's oh, Day oh, without fail. Oh. And, I, and, of course, the perfect thing to go with black-eyed peas, and indeed many bean recipes, is cornbread. And that yeah. has another good luck tradition. Because uh-huh. foods that are round are supposed to be good to eat at the new year because the year is a circle and makes a round. And in the Chinese tradition, of course, we gesture towards the end as we're we're doing this discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at the end of a couple of weeks of the Chinese New Year, and this is the year of the dragon, so it's uh-huh. my year, and I'm very <laughs> <laughs> Very tickled about that, but they at the, at the Chinese New Year, lots of yellow and gold and orange foods are supposed to bring good luck again because mm. gold is gold money, but also round foods. So cornbread is such a good luck food because it's golden and round, oh. and it happens to go great with black eyed peas, and you know even if even if the black eyed peas and the cornbread doesn't bring you wealth in the following year. <laughs> You have begun the year well nourished with delicious food. Yes. So that's that pretty lucky in and of itself. That is true. And beans are truly a source of good nourishment. I was so struck by the statistic uh, you provided that between 6 and 11% of a cooked bean's weight is protein. That is it, It's the, most, the single most concentrated source of plant based protein in the world. With beans. Which means. You know, I, I mean, there are so many reasons to fall in love with beans, and I'm certainly not just saying that because I wrote a book about them. It's more the other way around. Because I was in love with them, I wrote a book about them. But, you know, one is, you know, they're this incredible source of protein, affordable mm-hmm. at a time when almost everybody has to watch how much they spend. Yes. Um, and yet, even though... They're less expensive. They are such good nutrition, not only because of what they contain, but because of what they don't contain. If you get protein from, you know, cattle, from from beef or chicken, you have to be fairly attentive 
to how they were raised if you want to be sure that you're not getting incidental things that you might not want to eat, like uh, antibiotics because of the current animal husbandry practices. Animals are you know, so often raised in cramped and crowded conditions that they're prone to illnesses. So farmers who raise them in those circumstances pre-prevent the diseases by pre-adding antibiotics to feed for the animals. And that in turn gets into our food system and into our bodies. And then when you need an antibiotic, you're more resistant to it because Hmm. you've been taking it in in food. Right. And that's just one example. And so by by eating, you know, more plant-based and plant-centered meals, Mm-hmm. Not only do you get a lot of pluses, you don't get a lot of minuses, like right. that one I just mentioned. Exactly. And besides, they're tasty. I mean, none of that would mean anything if it wasn't really good and, exactly. and satisfying. You know, and healthy is fine, but it right. has to give you pleasure to eat it. And you have highlighted some delicious dishes for beans with 175 recipes in your Bean by Bean <laughs> cookbook. And, and it, you know what? It's almost like, um, how would I say this? It, it's an adventure around the world in terms that you take us on. And, and because the bean is international. And what I found so interesting too, Crescent, is how um, that you mentioned that uh, that beans uh, in ancient Rome, they were so esteemed, you know, with legumes in general, that the four leading families took their names from them. The Lentilus for lentil, Piso <laughs> for pea, Cicero, and we have a Cicero, Illinois, for chickpeas. I didn't realize that was that. And Fabius for, for fava. Fava Yeah, so there truly is such an international appetite Four beans, and I love how you take us on a culinary journey around the world with this cookbook because you feature um, one thing that intrigued me so much the uh, Kerala style Kerala. Okay, and pardon my <laughs> pronunciation. It's a, <laughs> the South Indian. Um, oh yes, one. yes. yes. See, in the in the soup chapter. I actually consciously did it as around the world. It's yes. not the very first chapter. First chapter is called Hummus Where the Heart Is, which is, you know, appetizers <laughs> and starters. But then when I got to soups, I mean mm-hmm. soups are such a natural for beans because beans right. like to cook slowly in a lot of water. So they it's a very natural progression to soup. And although I knew I was gonna have recipes throughout the world from around the world throughout the book. Mm-hmm. I decided that it, in the soup section, I'm especially fond of soups, oh. and I really did it from, I started in the Middle East, yes. and then we worked across to North Africa, Morocco, then mm-hmm. down through Central Africa, then over to India, Asia, then we came around to um, to the West, and we have North and South America, mm-hmm. and so I really did make that one and there's a little section on each country. Yeah. And this is only in the soup chapter where you get sort of right. introduced to the beans and the styles of each of those cooking. And then throughout the book, of course, mm-hmm. there are recipes from all over the place. But hopefully, I mean, I don't know how many people sit down and read a cookbook cover to cover. But if they read the, 
the soup chapter, they mm-hmm. would also find out a lot about you know, bean varieties and how certain flavor combinations got used somewhere, such as in Kerala, um, which is a, a state in South India, and it is yeah. a place that I've spent a lot of time in in oh. my youth. Mm-hmm. And Kerala means land of the coconut palms. Oh, what's And that? it's a very distinctive style. People in America think Indian cooking is one thing, mm-hmm. and they think it's kind of what they had at their local Indian restaurant. But India, every state has a markedly different cuisine, sometimes a different mm-hmm. language, different style of dress. Right. And so mm-hmm. South Indian is completely different than North Indian. North Indian uses a lot of butter, clarified butter or ghee as the mm-hmm. fat. In South India, they use much more coconut oil, and yeah. it gives a completely different flavor to right. everything. Um, right. South Indian is hotter, a little, little hotter. It's sort of lighter, less less fat. Mm-hmm. It's totally different from from North. And I like North, too, but I do have a special fondness for Kerala cuisine. Oh. And that Kerala-style doll... You know, here you have a country that, other than the new burgeoning upper middle class, mm-hmm. most of the rural people are still pretty poor. Oh. And so their diet is based around three things, rice, or in some cases in North India, wheat to make flatbread, right. chapatis, beans of different kinds, and vegetables. And yet it is such a varied cuisine. And how do they do it? Spices. And they yeah. they don't use curry powder there. Mm-hmm. Every dish has its own spice mixture. And mm-hmm. sometimes the spices are cooked in with the beans. Or sometimes you might fry them separately and then add them. Or sometimes you might fry them separately and then grind them, which right. we can do in a food processor or a mini chopper, maybe with a tomato if we want. But in right. India, they, in the rural India at least, they do it with a mortar and pestle. Yes. And then you add ginger and garlic. And so suddenly out of these three very basic, seemingly limited foodstuffs, vegetables, rice, beans, you have meals that are so different from one another, mm-hmm. meal to meal. It's, it's a phenomenal, it's like they're, they're magicians. They pull it out of the hat every time. You cannot believe that yeah. they make these same basic ingredients. So different, meal yes. to meal. And it's so interesting, too, in reading this chapter. And listeners, it, it's fabulous. In the soups uh, section, going through the different countries and regions and continents uh, and learning about their local bean dishes, where you talk about the word dal, D-A-H-L, which refers to both the legumes, the beans themselves, and also the unique dish made with them. And and what you're talking about, it just sounds so appetizing in that you really can um, have variations on this presentation of of a bean just by the spices <laughs> and and accoutrements you you add to the creation and and just in general just take to take a step back what are um the spices um and additions that you most recommend in terms of when you cook a bean i mean what should you really have on hand in general and in your pantry well of course a lot depends on your taste mm-hmm. and on, 
You know, I mean, one of the great luxuries of knowing how to cook is if you're in the mood for something, you can go rustle <laughs> and get it. So um, beans, if you if you like beans, if you like Mexican, southwestern kinds of food, you'll mm-hmm. want to have cumin seeds on hand. Okay. Both, probably you'll want chili powder, which is C-H-I-L-I powder on hand, and okay. that's a blend of spices as well as chili powder, which is C-H-I-L-E, which would Ah. be a ground, single kind of a chili pepper as opposed to that spice blend. Okay. You would maybe want bay leaves, oregano, and of course, onions and garlic. Right. And, um, you know, again, going Mexican, depending how much, how interested in this you were, Mm -hmm. you know, you go to almost any supermarket and you can find that uh, stand-up aisle with the cellophane bags of various kinds of chilies, you know, dried pasilla chilies or ancho chilies are absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, Anchos are dried, fresh poblano peppers, and they're a little hot, a little sweet, Mm -hmm. um, and you throw one in while you're cooking your beans. And mm, So that's just Mexican. Those would be flavors you would want. Okay, for the Mexican. Okay. And um, if you were doing Indian food, you would use probably all of those except chili powder, but Mm -hmm. you'd add coriander seeds. Now, coriander seeds, for some reason, the same plant that we call cilantro, when when we use its leaf, we call it coriander when we use its seeds, but it's the same thing. Oh, I didn't realize that. And some coriander goes into Mexican Mm-hmm. cooking as well in South American, but a lot in Indian food. Along with your onions and garlic, you're going to want to add some wonderful fresh ginger. Mm. Oh, so ginger. And turmeric is that bright yellow spice that gives that color to so many Indian dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big devotee of black mustard seeds or brown mustard seeds. They're little tiny seeds, not the ones that you think of like when you think of Dijon mustard, they're little tiny seeds. Um, So they would go into Indian food. And then there are many, many, many other ones that you might use occasionally. You probably would not use curry powder because it doesn't really exist in India. It's Mm -hmm. when the British colonized India and they said, oh, let's make it easy. We'll just combine everything into one. But then you lose the subtlety of all the thousands of different ways. Now, mm. if you were making beans American style, yes, you would probably want oil or bacon fat. If you, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, but yes. many people are not. And to many, it's interesting. To some people, the idea of a pot of beans without a ham hock in it is just mm. unthinkable. Right. And then to right. some people, the idea of a pot of beans with a ham hock is <laughs> unthinkable. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, taste, right? <laughs> I, I kind of believe that the table is big enough for everybody. So yeah. I, I tried to make it so no matter what you eat or don't eat, you could find plenty that would make you happy in this. Yeah. So if you were cooking beans American style, mm-hmm. if you were so inclined, you know, pork is usually the meat that is eaten with beans, right. uh, either a salt pork or bacon or ham hock. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might use that. If you didn't use that, 
you would use a vegetable oil. Olive oil is not exactly American, although there are some California olive oils mm-hmm. now. But you'd use some kind of oil. And again, you'd use onions, carrots, celery, maybe some garlic, um, lots of vegetables with it. You yeah. might add a bay leaf. You might add some herbs. You might add some chopped parsley at the end. Um, of course, salt and pepper. All beans, of course, need salt. Salt really yeah. brings them to life. But you do not want to salt your beans until they're soft. Because if you salt oh. them beforehand, they it makes it much harder for them to soften. Well, so you want to salt just... towards the end of the cooking time. Okay. But because so I American always... style, I'm sorry? I'm sorry, just a quick cooking question, because I always hear um, a little tip, oh, throw some salt into a pot of water so it won't boil over. So you wouldn't well, that's, do that. In the and, you, of course, if you were cooking noodles, you would want to salt the water. Okay. But with beans, don't salt it till the end. Don't and just it. keep okay. an eye on it so it doesn't oh. boil over. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, you know, you just have to have to be with it a little bit. But, you yeah. know, I mean, basically when you're cooking beans, and, of mm-hmm. course, you can do them in a crock pot as well. Right, but, right. But um, when, you, when you're cooking them, generally after you've soaked them and rinsed them and you put them in fresh water and you bring the pot of water to a boil and then you turn it down to a nice low simmer and mm-hmm. leave it half covered and you forget about it for a couple of hours if you're cooking it on the stove. Okay. And if you're cooking it on the crock pot, you really forget about it because you know it's not going to burn or anything like that. And since I work at home and I live in Vermont now, where it's cold, it's lovely in the winter to have beans simmering because the steam sort of floats up the stairs and curls under the door and... You know, it's warm and steamy and smells like dinner. And right, very comforting. So, you know, anyway, we could continue, we could continue <laughs> around the world, exactly. and I could and, keep giving you spices to have. Right, and I that. just encourage the listeners to go to your bean book, Bean by Bean, for all of this fabulous information, and and it's just it's just great. And I think I'm going to challenge myself to take a culinary bean tour around the world this year. And I encourage the listeners too, and just follow Crescent Dragon Wagon's uh, book. And, and as she takes you through each country and try a recipe of a week uh, and introduce these exotic tastes to, to your table. Now I have to ask because, you know, a, a lot of us don't have the time to be um, starting with the beans um, we just, you know, we have to open that can in our pantry. Is right. this a major faux pas in the bean world, or, or is, can it work? I can mean, it still work? I, I have lots of recipes there for canned beans because everybody does run out of time. And right. again, towards the beginning of the chapters, uh, uh, you know, in the basic part, um, you know, the beans are very agreeable and they're fairly interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Now, a, a cooked chickpea from scratch is so much better than a canned one, but you know they take a while to cook, and right. they're great to have on hand as a quick food. Is mm-hmm. there a price to pay? Yeah. It costs much more to buy a can of cooked beans mm-hmm. than a pound of raw beans that you cooked yourself. Right. And it does leave a larger footprint. You're using up resources. You're using right. the 
the metal that goes into the can, you're using the energy that went into printing the label, the energy that went into transporting the can, and all of those things. Yeah. So, but you will not burn in hell for using a can of beans. <laughs> or if you will, then then I'm fried. Oh, <laughs> because, <no. laughs> because I have some, I have plenty of them in my pantry as well oh, as all well, the that, other ones. Then thank you. That gives me a lot of comfort knowing that. And yes, <laughs> listeners, please recycle. Remember to do that. And one final thing I just, I have to make note of too is um, I love how part of the journey too includes Brazil and the uh, uh, the Fujuada, which um, I, I just adore because I actually lived in Brazil for, for six oh. months and it was yes, and it was such a tradition, a time honored tradition where you share a meal on Saturdays with friends and family and called Fujuada or Fujuon and where it, it's all inclusive with um uh, how do I say this delicately? Um, a lot of black beans and and mm. spices, but also pig parts. And that was the first time I had dipped into a bowl and saw little pig feet in that. So <laughs> it was and a little pig snout. <laughs> so. my, bro, my my Brazilian friend Rosilia um, Rosilia R O S A L I A, who runs yes. Cafe Bossa Nova in Little Rock, says that. Uh, when they do their feijoada, they like to put in every part of the pig but the squeal. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but it was from Rosalia. I also learned how to make a vegetarian feijoada. Yes. And I decided at some, you know, it's it's hard to choose what goes in and goes out. I mean, that book could have been three times as long. It's very, very hard. And But I decided not to put the meat one in, first of all, because there are so many, many, many different variations. Second of all, because it has been almost three decades since I've eaten meat. And although I'm comfortable doing meat recipes that I either made back when I did eat meat Mm -hmm. or that friends of mine do, you know, I'm I'm fine with that. I just thought, no, I... They can get that elsewhere. Yeah. And, you know, how many people that read this are actually going to go out and get a smoked pig's ear? Right. No, no, they'll get a Brazilian, <laughs> they'll get a Brazilian cookbook if they want to go there. Exactly. So I made this vegetarian fojoada. Yes, I <laughs> and, love the name you gave it's that. it's really good. It's really good. And similarly, French cassoulet is another ah. one. Cassoulet is, you know, has the same place sort of that feijoada does. Everybody does it a little differently. Right. And however they do it, however your mother did it, is the one and only right way to do it. <laughs> and, you know, if you ate feijoada in one part of Brazil by the coast, it's going to mm-hmm. be really different than up in the mountains. Exactly. And the beans will be different, the meat they oh. add, whether oh. they add meat, some places add pumpkin or, you know, sweet potato. Oh. Very different. And similarly with cassoulet all over France, Cassoulet is very different, but any French man or woman will swear to you that theirs is the one and only real died in the blood cassoulet. And so most, you know, and and cassoulet has a tremendous amount of animal parts in it as, you know, clarified duck fat and like that. And if you want to do the classic cassoulet or feijoada and go crazy and, 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 and make your own duck duck fat, coffee, oh. and <laughs> there are excellent, excellent cookbooks that do that. It's a production, right. um, but, you know, I challenge anybody 
eat either my feijoada or, or my cassoulet yeah. and not kind of fall on the ground in a swoon of delight. I mean, they're really <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> well, I cannot wait to try that. And I cannot wait to try a lot of your recipes. This is a must-have, listeners, for all seasons. And a journey, as I said, a culinary quest around the world for beans. And I am just so appreciative, Crescent, for your sharing today with us about beans and, and the lessons and the, the great flavor that they they add to life for everyone and and I have learned so much in the process and so appreciative and I will never look at a little bean the same way again <laughs> and well, also, good yes and also I think you you bring it home um, per se in terms of reminding us that you know the meals are to be shared and enjoyed by all and and that uh, we had spoken previously how each bite you take you you take the time to mm-hmm. remember the person that prepared the food and harvested and shipped. I just think that's that's a wonderful way to approach food um, with with friends and family. And, and you also shared some true words of comfort for those who might be eating dinner alone tonight. What were the, the yes, wonderful yes. words that you shared? Well, before we, before we were recording, Margaret, mm-hmm. as you know, and, you, and I, I think I can tell your readers, you said, oh, be sure to say that when we're, when we're yes. recording. And yes. it really is true, and it's something I deeply believe, which is that no one ever does really eat alone. You might yes. eat by yourself, but when you think of all the hands that went into making, I mean, even if you're, I, I hate to say it because I don't do this, but, you know, even if you're microwaving a frozen dinner, some people somewhere put that food together and put it into the containers and wrapped it and froze it. And, you know, if you're, if that, that microwave dinner has tomato sauce in it, well, for generation after generation or before generation, people were saving their tomato seeds and planting tomatoes and harvesting them and cooking them down into sauce. Yeah. And, you know, you when we bite food, we bite tradition and past and present, and we participate in a long line of, of being creatures who live on this particular planet where, you know, the unwritten contract is you eat while you're here and then when you die, your physical body returns to the soil and presumably other things eat it. People don't like to think about that, but I think it's kind of comforting to think about myself. And it and it comes back to the bean where you were saying bit by bit, bite by bite, you know, it just leaves the ground more nourished and how the we as you know, people living here should leave a positive mark on life. And I just so appreciate this food for the senses and food for the soul that you have provided us here on Kitchen Chat on Web Talk Radio today. Crescent Dragon Weather Wagon, thank you so much. And and listeners, please visit her website. Um, it's uh, dragonwagon.com and also her blogs, which uh, deepfeast.com and uh, Google Nothing is Wasted on the Writer, uh, where you'll see her wonderful uh, thoughts on life and, and great recipes. And definitely 
get Bean by Bean a cookbook. Crescent Dragon Wagon has truly provided a great perspective on this little bean that has such a big impact. So thank Mm. you so much again, Crescent, for being on Kitchen Chat. This has been so much fun. And listeners, I encourage you, please, to stay in touch and send along what your favorite uh, bean is. I'd love to, to feature that on, on the website. Yeah. And I'll check, I'll check it out on the website too and see what oh. you have to say. I, you know, one thing about when you write a book about a subject you're in love with is although the book ends, your learning and adventure with it does not. And you're yeah. always learning from readers and from cooks and from gardeners and from life itself. Yeah. And so I look forward to continuing on that bean journey with with you, Margaret, and oh, with you. any of your listeners. Oh, well, thank you so much, Crescent. And this has just been a delight. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And please remember, as you, you sit at your table this evening or you're eating on the run in the car, just take the time and savor the day. Thank you for joining us today. If you're interested in Margaret's books, A Mother's Heart Knows, Pearl Girls Encountering Grit, Experiencing Grace, and Go Back and Be Happy, please just click on the covers on the webtalkradio.net page in front of you. Margaret would love to connect with you and hear from you, so join her on Twitter, Facebook, her blog, or click on this website to leave a note and share a recipe. Thank you again, and we'll see you here again for a new show next week.